Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Crimes, Killers, Cults, and Beer, and Burr. Or in my case, rum, but yeah. I want burr. 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 That's Todd. And that's Bill. And I'm drinking Bud Light. (laughs) And you already heard what I was drinking, so yeah. There you go. Well, we're not even a minute into the episode, and we've already got all of that out of the way. Yeah, I know, right? Shit. Well, that's good, because this is going to be a long one. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, all right, here we go. Oh, shit. What? Carry on. Okay. All is well. So today we are covering Charles Whitman, the Texas Tower Sniper. All righty. Intense, very intense story which we're going to kind of chit-chat a little bit at the end of the episode. but Okay. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, so people are digging our last episode. Yay! <laughs> that one was fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had to take a couple, you know, chill-out sessions, like where we just kind of sit there and catch our breath real quick just to kind of wind down a little bit. After well, that depravity. Yeah, but, you know, it was still. I mean, dude, it wasn't as fun as, like, Bone Wazell or Pee Wee, but anyway. <laughs> it was still fun. Yeah. So hopefully this one will be fun, too. So. Right, just, we can only hope. Let's just dive right into it, because, like I said, this is going to be a long one. Hell yeah, let's let her rip, Tater Chip. Charles Whitman Jr. He what's he lived what seemed to be the perfect life on on the outside to anybody looking in. He lived in a suburban neighborhood in Lake Worth, Florida. His father he made sure that the family wanted for absolutely nothing because yeah, he he was a self made um, contractor and he was very wealthy and but. Yeah, they wanted they wanted for nothing but Charles Sr. He demanded per- perfection in return, and if something wasn't to his liking, there would be violent consequences. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, living under the brutal rule of his father's expectations, Charles began to crumble, uh, and he had problems with thoughts of violence, and he had a hair-trigger temper. He would join the military, which <clears throat> made his condition even worse due to his own, own actions. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he became a decorated sniper, which led to one of the largest campus shootings in U.S. history. Well, well you know. So let's just dive into this, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Sources, there's just two of them. There's the book by our buddy Ryan Green, The Texas Tower Sniper, The Terrifying True Story of Charles Whitman. Ryan. Ryan. We need to interview him someday. Yeah, hopefully hopefully, he'll, be, hopefully he'll want to do it, yeah. Yeah. 
Jesus, I said hopefully like three times in a row there. <laughs> hopefully you don't say it again. Hopefully not. <laughs> and the oh, other boy. the other source is beyond or behind the tower dot org. All right. Hopefully these are all good sources. They are. <laughs> this um this behind I'm sorry, the, I couldn't help it. I couldn't this, help it. This behind the tower, um uh, this behind the tower is a was was set up to memorialize the victims and that's mainly what I'm using it for is the the victims. Yeah. Right on. Yes, the victim because Yeah, you have to because I mean, you know, we get to. Shit, we get I, don't to know, I don't even know what. I don't even know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's how I am most of the time. <laughs> well, welcome to my world. All right then. So this is what it feels like to be you. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so on June 24th, 1941, Charles was born, and. He was a typical happy kid and everything. And Charles Sr., he he just kind of left the child rearing to his wife, Margaret. And he also had two brothers, Patrick and John. So early on, life was good, but Charles Sr. soon began becoming a tyrant. And he believed that make mistakes were a sign that you weren't trying hard enough. Oh. So... In my experience, yeah. mistakes improve you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's usually the way it works, but well, that's the way it worked with them, but not not with Charles. Charles is kind of like you know Charles Senior. He's kind of like, well, look what I did all on my own. I walked up, I walked just to and to and from school both ways uphill in the snow in Florida, barefoot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so if you don't like it, whoosh! <laughs> yeah, have a taste of my pimp hand. Yeah. So, he had worked very hard to raise himself from poverty to the, the level of success that the family enjoyed, and anything less than that was inadequate. They had the the biggest house on the street, they got everything they wanted or needed, and you know, basically, he had to. They had to do everything that he did in order to, or everything that he said in order to live up to his standards. Mm. So he would beat Margaret and the kids if they messed up, which was very often, according to Senior. But Charles Junior tried to prove himself to his father. He actually admired him as a kid, and as his father showed him how to shoot. You, you take him out in the woods and shooting targets. And very early on, like at five years old, Charles was, was a natural. He was a, he was a crack shot. Even then at five years old, he could hit things that grown men who had been shooting all their lives. Couldn't hit. Okay. So shortly thereafter, senior began, began teaching Charles jr. How to hunt. He he dropped a beer with one of his first shots, but 
he really wasn't into killing, but that was a disappointment to Senior. Um. Okay. Yeah. I. I guess I can see that. <laughs> but Senior was persistent with Junior, though. All he all he had Junior doing was was shooting animals, and before and before too long, Junior kind of got hardened to it, and then shortly and then later be, began to enjoy it. Senior also realized that Junior was more intelligent than normal ki- than most other kids. He was he was a great shot, and he was also a prodigy on piano. And a, a school teacher tested his IQ as a kid, and he scored a one thirty eight. Oh, <laughs> he was a genius. Yeah, or very close to it. I think anything above like one twenty five is genius level. I I think. Uh, back then, I mean, dude, the, honestly, the scores have changed. They changed the scores. Hmm. Because when I was, when I was in elementary school, when I was probably around his age, yeah, did they, I got IQ tested and I got a 137. And that qualified me to be in the gifted program. But back then, 140 was actually genius. But, you know, dude, I went and took an IQ test again, and because the scores have changed, I got 125. But I'm in the top 14% of everybody, so it's like, dude, okay. It's, it's the same number, it's just a different number. I mean, it's a, I'm the, it's the same level. Yeah. Just they change the numbers to make, I guess, to make everybody else feel better. I don't know. Well, I've never. you know, they do that. So you could be in Mensa. Uh, no, I do not think I qualify for Mensa. I think for Mensa, you have to be 150 or higher. Oh, well. And it might even be higher than that, dude. Like, cause you have to be like really fucking smart to be in Mensa. I don't think I qualify for any of that. I dated a girl one time who told everybody that she was in Mensa. That made me think that she wasn't. Yeah, dude, if if you're telling everybody you are, you're probably not. Yeah, cuz that's <coughs> Mensa's kind of like that that's that sounds like that sounds like she was trying to like validate herself. Right. Mensa's kind of like Fight Club. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not not really. I mean, dude, if you qualify for Mensa, I mean, dude, if well, I actually you... qualify for Mensa, I'd be bragging about it, but I would have the paperwork to back it up. Right, I never saw paperwork. Or at least that put it yeah, on the resume. I mean, it, ain't it... And, you know, and honestly, it's like, I don't know, maybe Mensa is like Fight Club. Maybe it's like, hey, don't tell anybody you're in this club, dude, because you just make everybody else feel like idiots. I don't know. Could be. Well, one thing I do have, I mean, I've never taken an IQ test, but one thing I do have going for me is I was um, Time Magazine's 2006 Person of the Year. Oh, were you? I was. (laughs) All right. (laughs) How, how, How did that happen? I don't know. I I was I I was in the checkout line at a grocery store one time, and I just happened to look down, and there was the Time Magazine Person of the Year magazine with my picture on the cover. Okay. And I'm calling bullshit on that. That was the year that they put a um, a mirror thing on the cover and and wrote Person of the Year you. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> 
see, I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't care about shit like that. Shit like that doesn't interest me. But all right, if that's what it was, all right, fine. Then you were person of the year. Good for you, brother. <laughs> I but you know, put- so was everybody else that looked at that magazine. So I mean, <laughs> I even put that on. Where my does resume. that Where does that really put you in the grand scheme of things? <laughs> I even put Just that on. Sad. I even put that on a resume, Time Magazine's 2006 Person of the Year. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, I bet I bet everybody that read that was just like, I don't even know what that means. Probably. I mean, I wouldn't but do no, it. No, dude. Okay, that's, that's cool. See, I didn't know that because I don't <laughs> pay attention to shit like that. Well, the only reason that I knew it is because I just happened to look there and the, saw yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, I, I never saw that, so I had no idea. <laughs> So, so, all right, you got me on that one. <laughs> so, senior began loading junior up on lots of tasks and extracurricular activities, and by high school, he was the school's baseball star pitcher. And oh, he was also the manager of the football team, and but he didn't want to play football; he just wanted to be the manager. Well, senior just wanted him to be the manager. So. Well, you know, you got to be involved in sports, but you can't get hurt because you're such a good goddamn shot that if you break your arm and can't shoot anymore, we can't have that. Oh, yeah. But so. you have to be involved in sports somehow so you look cool. True. So um, by 12... i already got this shit figured out. <laughs> so by 12 years old, he became the youngest Eagle Scout in their history. Oh, God. All right, here we go. 12 years... Well, now nah, there's nothing about that. It's just it's just notable because he was the youngest person that was ever yeah, equal. No, I I understand that, but we also know what goes on with that shit. Anyway, not not, not never mind. Moving on. <laughs> the junior also got a job as uh, as a paper. You know, he got a job with a paper route while in high school, and he would complete his route before going to school and still maintain his grades. And all this was just basically to keep senior off of his back. And Senior loved it because his All-American son was making him look good. Yeah, right? Because that's all apparently Senior cared about was uh, appearances. Right. But his paper route led to something else. His mother began writing with with Charles, and uh, they began to talk. And Margaret would tell him that all of the strict tyranny and violent punishment wasn't normal. So... Charles began to realize how much of a monster his father was, and he began to hate him. Uh Uh-oh. He had anger. He had hate. But he didn't use them. (laughs) But he didn't use them. (laughs) (laughs) Up to that point, anyway. Yeah, we got a Star Wars reference. (laughs) So he, he doubled down on his marksmanship, and at 16... It was said that he could hit a squirrel square in the eye from 50 yards. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's it's pretty damn impressive. That yeah, that's impressive. That's the word I was groping for there. <laughs> so he had gone to Cardinal Newman High School in West Palm Beach, and it was a private school. And when he got home, senior really laid into discipline. He had gone to Cardinal Newman High School in West Palm Beach. It was a private school, and when he got home, Senior really laid into the discipline. And Junior started for, you know, forming a way out. He's like, i got to get the hell out of here. Uh-huh. Um, senior 
used had used his business and and political contacts to get him into college on a scholarship, but the the disfavor would come at a cost to Junior, who was required to buckle down and do even more ridiculous work or face the consequences. Like I got you into I got you this scholarship now you have to do all this for for, for me and everything. I mean, he, Senior kind of sounds like somebody that we've covered. I, I, I was thinking that when I was doing the notes, and I, I couldn't put my finger on it, and I still can't put my finger on it. He sounds like somebody we've covered before. Yeah. <clears throat> you uh, you agree? Um, you, you, you feeling that? I am. I, I can't think of who either right now, but, yeah, it it, it feels familiar. It was Deadwood. No. <laughs> um, it was Deadwood. Of course it was fucking Deadwood. Are you sure it wasn't Ozark or uh, Yellowstone? Because, you know. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, Junior was 17 years old, and he was being treated like a kid. So, Senior had gotten both of his son's motorbikes and after a particularly bad admonishment from Senior, Junior went out for a ride, and he considered crashing it and ending it all. Kind of like um, Jax did in um, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, yes. That was the only way that show could have ended, though. Yeah. That show got a little weird in that in its final season. It did. I knew <laughs> they got oh, weird and really fucking intense. <laughs> yeah, but really weird. <laughs> but yeah, weird. But yeah, dude, that's that's the only way. That's the only way that show could have ended, dude. There's no way Jax could have lived, right? Because I mean, the, the whole the, everything was building up to him just not living. You know, I mean, that's the way it was going. Yep. But you know what? That's a discussion for another channel. <laughs> yeah, we. <sighs> hey. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Hashtag. But I digress. So one night, yes. Junior was at a kegger. Um, and I skipped ahead. Um, <clears throat> I skipped, damn, I skipped way ahead. He, <clears throat> he started going very fast, then lost control and wiped out. The bike was totaled and Junior was taken to the hospital. He had a head injury. Check. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, check, yes. Hopefully, obviously, you've listened to the last episode if you're listening to this one, so you got that. But, oh boy, um, he he had temporary amnesia. He didn't remember the crash, <clears throat> and when when he came to, he seemed to be fine. But he didn't know if he had intentionally done this to to be hospitalized just for a break from his tyrant father or if it was an actual suicide attempt so uh, or just went, a straight up accident right um junior went back to his normal routine keeping up appearances and being run to death by senior and one night at a neighborhood barbecue somebody handed him a beer and he drank it and he really uh -oh. he realized that he was a lot more calm and he was able to talk to girls you know, for the for the first time, and he he was successful with him, and he was actually having fun with you know when he's got a good little buzz going. And you gotta love alcohol. <laughs> so, um, one night at a kegger, 
he got like obliterated drunk and he stumbled he stumbled in after curfew and senior was waiting and senior beat the crap out of him and he hit the ground and senior started kicking him in the head and in the ribs and um he even like pushed him in, pushed him in the the pool and tried oh, to shit. and tried to tried to drown him and oh well say father of the year right there yeah he blacked out and senior left him on the lawn all night long so he decided that <laughs> the next morning it was time for him to go cuz he was at this point he was 18 um, oh yeah so he he was convinced that senior would eventually kill him like for real kill him mhm even though senior had gotten junior into college junior did something unexpected uh oh take a guess uh uh i have no idea you July... said it was unexpected, so how am I supposed to know? <laughs> <laughs> you can take a guess. Um, I don't know. I, I have got, I've got nothing, dude. <laughs> In July of 1959, shortly after his 18th birthday, he boarded a train to Paris Island, South, Car- South Carolina. Oh, he joined the Marines. He joined the Marines. And when Senior found out, he flipped his lid and he tried to use his connections to get the the Marines to to refuse Junior. And it <laughs> ob- it obviously didn't work because Junior was eighteen and they had that signature on the dotted line, and they weren't going to let somebody that a crack shot like that out just because just no because shit, of, right? of an overbearing <laughs> papa. Fuck you, old man. <laughs> yeah. We need this kid. Yeah, he's ours. <laughs> so the Marines were actually—he is going to be very, very lethal for us. We need him. <laughs> yeah. So the Marines were a good fit for Charles, and you know he actually liked this a lot better than living under his dad, even though you know his, his life was all regimented and everything. But he was—you know—he was treated. He—he he, he excelled. He was treated with respect. You know, like a, all all the people around him and everything liked him the superiors liked him and everything so he didn't have a problem with the strict uh you you will do what i say when i say back to the front mentality yeah you know so and there's the metallica reference (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah he he didn't have a, a problem with it and he he was in the top percentile on every test that he was given and of course he became a marksman and he received um training and for that you know he for that and a lot more he was sent down to to oh, club gitmo uh. Guantanamo bay now he didn't receive the rank of expert but he did achieve sharpshooter which is still pretty prestigious Oh yeah, but because he didn't have a college degree, he couldn't become an officer. So, uh, which which ultimately, after being in there for a short time, he decided it's like, hey, I want to become an officer. So he actually got a scholarship. You know, he he was he was switched to the reserves, and he got a scholarship from the Marines to go to um get an engineering degree 
and then <clears throat> that way he could return and become an officer. But, you know, like I said, he was still in the reserves. Yeah. But, but hey, you know, whatever. Th- but that's how much of a hard-on the Marines had for him. Yeah, right. They're like, all right, all right we're gonna we're gonna bump you down to here so you can go back to school, and then when you get done with school, you come back here, and we'll call you lieutenant, and, <laughs> and we are gonna fucking use you to our advantage. Mm-hmm. But so they they sent him to school at the University of Texas in Austin, starting to shape together. Yeah. And he liked college life on campus and he made the most of it. There was a lot of partying. There was there were even woods nearby where he could go hunt. And he he got in he got in trouble once for trying to skin a deer carcass in the dorm showers. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That sounds like something Bone Mazel would have done. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So well, more, I, I, uh, well, I got to clean it somewhere. At least I can wash the blood down the drain. Jesus. Right. <laughs> so, more importantly, Charles was on his own with freedom for the first time in, in his entire life. So, but he kept up the training regimen um, of, of the Marines by exercising and running five miles every morning before class. And... He also became good at karate. He followed the Kaizen concept that karate in- instills. Ah. What's that? Uh, what is that? Kaizen, that is um, just striving to be the best at whatever you do, I think. Be all that you can be, but this is the Marines. Yeah, I know, but I, but I believe I believe that's what that means. I mean, it it's it's what I mean, whatever you do, whatever you do in life, the Kaizen philosophy is just be the best at whatever you do in life. Gotcha. I think I so, think that's what it is. So we're implying the Kaizen. I mean, dude, I took ta- I took taekwondo, dude. I don't know, but I mean, I think that's what that means. Okay. We'll go with it. So we're so we're putting Kaizen we're applying Kaizen to our um podcast. It, it, yeah, in a roundabout kind of way, yeah. Yeah, cuz we want to be the best there is. Eh, we're we're trying to be the best. Well, we're trying to be the best we can be at what we're doing. And right. I believe that's what that means. And I believe that's what we're doing. Yes, I agree with you. We are. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of goofy podcasts out there, but we're goofier and we're, you know, we're, I, I don't know. We're, we're, we're different. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, apparently people like us. So, hey, thank you so much. Yeah, Just keep absolutely. liking us and we'll keep doing what we do. Hell yeah. But he, he never, he never lost focus and his end game was the, the Marines. And on top of all he had going on, there was one thing in particular that fascinated him. Take a guess. Oh. One thing that fascinated him. I don't know. Being a sniper. uh, No, that's too obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is kind of obvious, too. Uh. 
shooting shit. I don't know. The 307 foot clock tower. Oh, uh, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, he he loved it. He was enamored with it. He would stare at it. He would go to the top and gaze out over campus. He would he would he would joke. Okay, well, you see though, but see though that. So I was partially right because that's being a sniper, dude. He's looking for the highest vantage point to fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's exactly where I'm so going. So I was partially right, and we all know where this story is going. So right. that well, that was no spoiler alert. <laughs> so the however, the, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, he was he was in already in the Marines and was being trained to be a sniper, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. So yes, of course the clock tower would fucking enamor him because it's the highest point on campus. He can see everything from there. He can fucking control everything oh, from there. At that time, it was probably the highest point at the in, like one of the highest points in the city, if not the highest point in the city. It could very well have been. So, but people would, you know, he would just sit there and he'd stare at it. He'd climb it. He'd go to the top and all that stuff. And people would joke with him, calling him a tourist. And Charles would explain. <laughs> <laughs> and Charles would explain that they um, that a single man could hold off an entire army up there. <laughs> See, I told you I was right. Yep. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yes. Now, say you asked me like, what what was he, like being a sniper? Yeah, being a sniper, you look for the highest point because dude, there's. That is tactically the best spot because you got 360 degrees as long as you run around the top of it. Mm-hmm. And he did have you 360 got, you, you degrees. Got, you got 360 degree field of fire, dude. You can hold off anybody from up there as long as you have enough ammunition. Yep. So. I like the way this guy thinks. <laughs> I mean, I don't like what he did. Yeah. Uh, we're sure, going to get to that. Sure. But he has, he knows. I mean, he was trained to think like that. It's just, it's sad that he did what he did, but you know, yeah. whatever, we'll get there. Anyway. So Charles became comfortable with women without the aid of beer. Yeah. So oh. he attracted lots of them, but he was only interested in se- settling down in marriage. <laughs> marriage. <laughs> and now we brought Princess Bride in this shit. <laughs> Again. Anyway. So he, he didn't date much until he met, um, Kathy Leisner, and he fell head over heels in love with her, and they were married um, less than six months later. Damn, um, dude, that's yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah, he 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 got the thunderbolt. <laughs> All right, dude, I'm just saying that dude, six months, dude. That was that a ain't go- long enough to know some. I, I that know, was a godfather. I, I know. I, mi- I missed the <laughs> reference there. I don't know what you were talking about. I'm sorry. I'm... Godfather. Did I've been I've been sick. Yeah, God of Thunder. Whatever. Godfather. Oh, Godfather. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I still don't. I still, <laughs> dude, you know what? I told you, dude. I still haven't seen that fucking movie. So you haven't seen Godfather? Oh my God! No, Father. You know why? Because it never really. <laughs> It never really interested me. I I watched I've watched part of it like with my yeah. parents one time like back in the seventies when you had, when like the first movie channel was HBO and you had that it was like channel fucking like five on yeah. your dial TV. 
before there was cable, before there was anything. I think I watched it like I may have watched it once when I was like six or seven years old, dude. I don't want to fucking remember that movie, and I never. It was just never a movie that interested me. Okay, well, we have this little thing where it's like if I like something, you're gonna like it. If you like something, I'm gonna like it. I love the Godfather movies. <laughs> All right, well, I'll probably like it. I just, dude, I just, I don't know, dude. I just, it, they are very long. Like, and, and but, dude, and it's Martin Scorsese, dude, and he makes fucking like really boring fucking movies, dude. Yeah, but I mean, dude, who made Scarface? Did Scorsese make Scarface with Al Pacino? Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola did Fran- the did the Godfather. Oh, Francis, yeah, that's right. Francis Ford Coppola makes even worse movies than <laughs> fucking God. Uh, you you got to give it a chance as an adult. Oh, all right. If you insist, I will give it a chance. You don't have to watch Godfather three, but you do have to watch Godfather two or Godfather one and Godfather two. I'll just watch the first one, dude, because sequels always suck. Uh, the sequel's better than the first one. It's like Empire Strikes Back. Um, See? Now you had to go make another Star Wars reference to make me go, <laughs> God, really? It was really that good? Because yes. I doubt it was really that good. Yes. Robert De Niro's in it. He plays a young uh, Vito Corleone. I mean, it's, it's, it's... So it's a prequel and not a sequel? It's a sequel and a prequel. There's flashbacks. Uh, and um, see, dude, I don't know if I keep track of that, dude. I don't, I, I don't know. It's easy. I'm in like the, I don't know if I'm in the mental state to keep track of shit like that. All right, hit us up on Twitter, CKC underscore beer. Should Todd watch <laughs> The Godfather? I'm, and actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a poll up when we're when we're done recording this. All right, put a poll up. If everybody says I should watch it, then I'll, then I'll watch them. I'll watch all three of them if that's what the poll. If that's how the poll goes, I'll do it. And then there's that TV series that uh, came out on Paramount Plus called the called the Offer, which was like how the 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 movie the first movie was made. Great, I, I love that series as much as I love the they're, movie. They're, you're 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 getting way ahead of yourself, bro. <laughs> or I'm just talking about watching the movies right now. I'm not talking about watching that series about how the fucking movies were made. That's great, great. Anyway, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's great. You know what, dude? And if, if the poll says that I have to watch the movies, I'll watch the movies, dude. And I'll fucking set up a video, dude. And I'll video myself watching the movies, going, oh, yawn. This is All right. boring. Y'all, um, y'all, y'all heard it. Y'all make let's make it happen, people. Come on. <laughs> All right. So anyway, it's it it. Trust me, that movie is fire. <coughs> Somehow I doubt it, but okay. <laughs> I, I I doubt it's fire. I'm sure it's good, but I it's doubt it's fire. fire. <laughs> uh, anyway, not the point. So his parents did attend the wedding, but they they didn't talk much. They you know they just they they were just kind of there. And senior senior did not even pay a cent toward the wedding. Asshole. Ah, vengeful fucking prick. Yeah, but but he, he was at he was in college like his like senior wanted, but he probably wanted him studying business or something like that, so that he could right. 
you know, not engineering, which would benefit him and in the Marines. Eh, well, you know. <clears throat> so, like, seriously though, I, I mean, how how does having your son being a Marine sniper um, really reflect well on your status, which is everything that seems to be important to him? I'm talking about senior. Like, dude, yeah. a senior seems to be like totally fixated on status. Right. And you know, have, having a son that's an engineer that can like fucking kill you from like a mile and a half away—that's not status to him, even though. Well, that uh, takes a lot of fucking skill, and that that should be a fucking status symbol if you can pull a shot like that off. Yeah. So, after, but whatever, you know what I'm saying. You yeah, know, dude. Anyway. So after getting married, Charles poured his energy into being a good husband, but his grades began to slip and he would, he would have a, you know, bouts of depression and everything because he felt that the Marines were slipping from his grasp. Uh Uh-oh. Like I said, he was still a member of the reserves on scholarship from the Marines to become an officer. But with his grades slipping, I mean, yeah, you, you don't you don't make your grades. We're gonna take our money back. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe you should have fucking kept your fucking dick in your pants and I don't know. But the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, and and he was deployed. As it always does. <clears throat> yeah. And when he came back, his funk got even worse, and his grades continued to slip, and the Marines pulled his scholarship. So, and oh then, boy! And then he had to he had to rejoin the Marines. Yeah, you know, he had to leave the reserves and rejoin the the green the the greens the Marines. <laughs> so, um, he was now he was just a grunt in the Marines, and he was at Camp Lejeune. And sorry if me mentioning Camp Lejeune gets you a bunch of those fucking Facebook ads. I know, dude. Fuck, dude. So, maybe the water there had something to do with what happens later? Uh, no, not until now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and when I say now, I mean, like, within the last six months now. Not not then. <laughs> they didn't know that shit then. But it was I mean, I don't know. Do. I mean, that doesn't mean that shit wasn't happening, but, dude, I don't think that fucking getting fucking cancer or something caused him to be a fucking serial sniper. Eh, put a pin in that. All right. <clears throat> so, his life in the Marines was now a mess because he, he, he knew he never would become an officer. One day, he was in a horrific accident in a Jeep, and he was severely wounded, and he wanted to die. But he recovered after a couple weeks, And but he did get a prom- promotion to Lance Corporal for saving his partner's life. But the fact that it was a mistake that led to the accident just gnawed away at him, because remember what his dad thought about mistakes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he hates his dad, but his dad definitely imprinted on him. Oh, definitely. But dude, dude, Lance Corporal is nothing to sneeze at, man. Oh, I know, but it's still not an officer. So, he needed a new hobby. You know, he, he well, he needed a change of pace, so he found a new hobby. Take a guess. 
Taxidermy. No. <laughs> Charles Whitman was good at a lot of things, but one thing he wasn't good at... Wasn't good at... Was taxidermy? Was gambling. <laughs> oh, gambling. Oh, he started gambling? Really? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So he, he wound up... I don't up... know, dude. I, fig- I figured somebody that's going to end up being a serial killer and, like, fucking hunts animals and shit would get good at taxidermy. I don't know. It just seemed like a logical... Well, that was a good guess. That was a good guess. Seemed like a logical guess. Yeah, that was a good guess. But he wound up owing... Should have worked for Norman Bates. (laughs) Oh, God. But he he wound up owing a lot of people money, and and he began sleeping with a gun in case somebody came to collect. Oh, well, yeah. So this in itself was breaking the rules because the Marines or, or any U.S. military person, not, they're not permitted to have guns on, on their person on base uh, when, unless they're issue, issued the gun. Like like when they go out shooting, like for target practice or whatever, they check the guns out in the morning and they have to return them when they get back. <coughs> okay. So have, having a gun on your person, like in your in your barracks or whatever, that was a court martial offense. And so, so, so you're so you're telling me that everything in Full Metal Jacket was just bullshit. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not allowed to have yeah. guns. You're not allowed to have guns. Like if if you live on base, you're not allowed to have guns. Um, on you know, like on on your person. But it it's really stupid for that rule. I mean, you know, because look at how many shootings have happened on the military because, you know, all all of the soldiers and everything they you know who were out and about at the like the PX or whatever that got shot up and everything they didn't have a gun on them. But I mean, dude, I understand it. If you're out doing fucking PT or something or whatever, yeah, you don't have a gun on you because because you're running. Right. But I mean, dude, you're issued a weapon as soon as you join the military. You should be able to have that with you no matter what. Nope. Dude, I mean, like, no, dude, like, you are issued a weapon. This is your weapon. Right, and at the end of the day, at the end of at the end of the day, it goes back into the weapons locker until the next morning when you come there and get it again. Well, then how do I, how do I know I'm getting my weapon back? It, you, you could have six of the same guitar. One of them is yours. The other five are not. You're going to be able to grab yours and know which one is yours. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm not buying into that bullshit. <laughs> All right, if, if you say that's what happened, that's what happened. Okay. Anyway, there was a guy who Charles, who Charles said owed him money, and Charles roughed him up, and he showed him the the pistol that he had on him. So the guy reported Charles, and he was a, arrested and brought up on charges. And. While he was in the brig, he began keeping a journal of his thoughts, and it was full of praise for his wife, Kathy, but it also had thoughts of how his father screwed his life up and how the Marines did, too. It was his dad's fault. It was the Marines' fault. It was the University of Texas's fault. It was your fault, Todd, and it was probably my fault, too. Well, it was everybody's fault but his. Yep. So well, it was obviously the Marines' fault for not letting him keep his fucking gun on him at all times. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm going to die on that hill, dude. <laughs> but, but at the court-martial, he was demoted back to private, and he was sentenced to 30 days in prison and 90 days hard labor. Well, you know, shit, worse things could have happened. <laughs> he could have been fucking hung. 
True. So um, after the sentence was served, he was done with the Marines. And he was later dishonorably discharged in 1964. And at, at this point, we're two, there were two years out from his spree. Yeah. Um, he went back to Texas to restart his life with Kathy as a civilian. And Kathy had gotten a job as a biology a biology teacher. And they rented the house together. And on the surface... And by biology teacher, you mean prostitute, right? <laughs> no, I mean a biology teacher. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. I had to go there. So because, they, you know, because I'm that kind of fucking asshole, I had to go there. <laughs> nah, but whatever. An asshole is that big festering sore under, underneath your nose. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> so, uh, they, they, <laughs> oh, God, we're fucking idiots. Holy shit. Well, actually, you're not, I am. I'm a fucking idiot. But yeah, uh, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> so uh, they rented a house together and on the surface it seemed like Charles was trying to be normal but uh, the things that were going on in his head were anything but you know, he, he was stifling his rage pushing it down and that never ends well no no never does but he was a good neighbor and he was active in the neighborhood uh, to the point to where he was asked to become a scout master for the boy scouts Oh, God, this can't end well. <laughs> he did, and he enjoyed it, but he also went back to college, though, although he had to pay for it or, or, or get grants or whatever. Well, you know what? Good for him. All yeah. right. He, he's he's trying. It's like he's got It's like a literal case of he's got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. Yeah. And they're both talking to him. I mean, that, that, that's what I was thinking when I was writing these notes out. It's just like. It's it. This, yeah. this literally is what happened with him, because he's he's trying he's he's trying to he's trying to move forward he's trying he, yeah he's not like not yet anyway he's not like just being consumed by all of his demons. Yeah, Although, but they're there. They're building. They're there. Up. Yeah, they're there. They're 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 forming a posse. Yeah. So around that time. He got back in touch with his mother, Margaret, and Charles Sr. had always been abusive toward her. And when Charles asked to talk to him, she was hesitant, but Charles assured her that he wouldn't do anything to put her into danger. The, the conversation uh, the conversation was cordial with his, his dad a couple of times where they, um, where they talked, and Sr. offered uh, Charles help with tuition. And Charles accepted knowing that there would be strings attached. Oh boy! All right. But he seems. I'm I'm still amazed that they actually had a cordial conversation. Yeah, I know. But but all right, no, all right. But he seemed to be better. He seemed to be doing better in school at this point. He also took a part-time job at Central Freight Lines, and his his life once again seemed to be normal. But he still wasn't happy. He missed the Marines, and. Oh, yeah. And he even took on another job as a land surveyor, so he's got two jobs, and he's a, a student. So he's so he's burning the candle on all three ends right now. Yeah. 
And with somebody with mental issues, that's not a good idea. The light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And you have burned oh so bright, Roy. Yes. Amen. But he, um, he couldn't stop drooling over the clock tower. He was still going there all the time, and at this point, he's casing it. He's learning the layout. He's learning, you know, at, at the top of the observation deck, he had a 360 view over everything. Yeah, he's making a plan. Yep. And the conversations with his mother, Charles learned that the extent of se- senior's brutality, especially now that, you know, his brothers, that they had an empty nest, so senior focused his cruelty entirely on Margaret. No, no, no. Please tell me no. She wanted out. He started abusing his wife because he didn't have kids to beat up on. Well, he was was abusing his wife all along, but once once the kids all left the house, there was only one person there to beat up on. Yeah. Dude. I hope Dude, I don't know how this story goes. I mean, I know I know bits and pieces of this story, but, dude, I hope the fucking God fucking Junior went back to that house and said, fuck you, put two into his fucking head, and then climbed up that tower. Yeah, we'll I see know, what happens. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm not sure how. I'm not, like I said, I'm somewhat familiar with this story, but not a lot. But I'm telling you right now, dude, if, if I was him, and I knew that was going on, dude. Well, just just and I knew, just and I knew I was gonna and I knew I was gonna go kill a bunch of people and then go out in a hail of fucking bullets. I'd have fucking kicked that door open, fucking walked right up to him, punched him in his fucking mouth, put my barrel of my fucking pistol right to his fucking head, and put two in it. Yeah, but he's like, in Texas. Fuck you, cuckock. He's he's in Texas. His dad's in his da- his mom and dad are in Florida. So, yeah, um, well, you know what, dude? Dude, yeah, well, you know what? That's the drive, dude. I mean, I've already got a plan. That's just part I know. of the plan just, now. Just, just sit tight. <laughs> sit tight. We're, we're, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna get there. I know, there. I know, I, I know. Like I said, I don't know if that's I'm not, what happened. I, like, I'm not, I know a little bit about this story, but yeah, I know. I just know what I would do if I was in that spot. Yeah. So Margaret wanted out and Chris tried to get her to, to pull the trigger and leave senior. Yes, I said pull the trigger intentionally. so in february of 1966 margaret was ready to go so charles went to florida picked her up and they and they just just basically grabbed her and clothes grabbed her and and her clothes and hauled ass and luckily senior wasn't there when it happened so she she quickly got a job luckily for him yeah yeah because charles probably would have killed him or at least whooped his ass really bad like i said so Margaret quickly got a job in an apartment. Yeah. So things were fine for a bit, but Senior finally got a hold of Charles's number and was just peppering him with phone calls like constantly and everything. And the the pressure was start was getting to to him. And at this point, he was going to attempt suicide. A that friend was... a friend talked him back. So, you know. Temporarily, everything seemed fine, but obviously it wasn't. Yeah, you know, he he was losing his grip again, and as as mental as mental illness symptoms clearly became 
began to manifest. Uh-huh. One time he blacked out and he hit Kathy. And, oh, no. And that that pushed him even further over the edge, and, you know, he felt that, be, that he had become his dad. Oh, yeah, here we go. Yep. Oh, man. So, um, Charles decided that the, what was getting him down was stress, and he really doubled down on his journaling and everything, and he would write self-help type things, like, um, like stop procrastinating, grasp the nettle, control your anger, don't let it prove you a fool, smile, it's contagious, don't be belligerent, stop cursing, improve your vocabulary, approach a <laughs> pot of gold with exceptional caution, look it over twice. That's that's actually good advice right there. Actually, all of this True. is good advice. Yeah, it is. Actually, every bit of that is good. Yeah. is good stuff. <laughs> um, control your passion. Don't let it lead you. Don't don't let desire make you regret your present actions later. If you want to be better than the average, you have to work much harder than the average. Never for and oh, okay. If you want. To be better than average, you have to work much harder than the average. Never forget, when the going gets rough, the rough get going. Spam, spam, spam thing is, is fine. And he, he would document any bad things that happened to him and, and try to explain it. He even typed out a list of, of things to do to make sure that he was a good husband. For example, uh-huh. for example... Don't nag. Don't try to take your partner over. Don't criticize. Give honest appreciation. Pay little attentions. Be courteous. And be gentle. Yeah, be gentle. That was a big one. But. Alright. Yeah, he. I mean, once again, this is all good stuff. I mean, if he had just listened to it and everything, but. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, write it down is one thing. Actually, following through with it is. Another. Right. So he had to remind himself that, that he was, you know, to be a good man, although Kathy was still the recipient of his verbal abuse and an occasional physical one. But the the abuse wasn't very often. I mean, once is too many times, but this, it wasn't, like, constant like what his dad did. Right. He did seek help from a psychiatrist, but shortly after starting the therapy, he'd blow off the appointments to go case the clock tower some more. <laughs> that was his therapy. Right. That was probably his safe spot. That was probably, like, literally the only place that he felt normal. Well, yeah, it's probably the only place he felt in control. Yeah. Because he was, you know, I mean, because up there he felt like he could control the entire situation. Right. I can see that. And, and you know what? Or I can, like, oddly, I can get behind that, like, except well, for he, the fact that what he does later, which well, we all I, know, so that's not a spoilers, but right. dude, I get that. Like, going up there where he can sit there and like without a weapon but he can sit there and watch everybody's like I could get you I could do this I could do 
I've got control over this entire situation. Well, that in it's itself probably the only place that he felt control. You know that that in itself could be good therapy. I mean, yeah, there's there's yeah. No, there's nothing wrong. Exactly. There, it it every single person on this planet, I don't care who you are, has thought, uh, has fantasized about killing somebody. And if they say right. that they, and if they say that they haven't, they're lying. They're liars. Yes, exactly. So, but you know what? That is, I mean, no, dude. I mean, that was yeah. That's probably the only spot that he actually felt safe. Hmm. So Charles had stopped being the good neighbor and was he was no longer a scout leader. He had actually started bullying bullying the kids, like not physically, but. You know, just kind of like taunting him, saying, oh, you'll never be as good as me. Um, he would also keep telling anybody who would listen about the clock tower and how it was such a perfect spot for a massacre. Oh, so he was telling everybody what... Yeah. He was foreshadowing. <laughs> and everyone is like, oh, Charles, you're such a kidder. Exactly. So... He had been concocting a plan now for, for months, and on August 1st, 1966, he put the plan into action. Um, See, dude, you know what? You know what, dude? If he had just waited, like, two, maybe three more years, he could have gone to Vietnam and just been a fucking complete badass. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, the general public didn't know that that was going on, but he had already been dishonorably discharged. For like a year. Oh, at that that's point. right. That's right. Yeah. He's already been. He's already been booted. That's right. Never mind. My bad. I can imagine that when he was um, court-martialed and given the dishonorable discharge, there was probably some like um, sergeant major just like we had such high hopes for you, kid. You you let dude, us I don't down. Rem- I, dude, I don't remember. I don't remember you saying he was dishonorably discharged. I was like, he was court-martialed, got busted down to private, and no, he, he was served. No, he was he was dishonorably discharged. Um, yeah, because after 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 his his sentence, he just basically spiraled out of control. Okay, sorry, I, yeah. I don't remember that part, but that's fine. My bad. No worries. So, um, Charles dropped Kathy off at work. And then instead of going to work himself, he drove around town shopping for supplies. He went to um, he went to a sporting goods store and he bought a, a a new hunting knife and and a bunch of um, tins of spam. I don't want any spam. I don't like spam. 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 <laughs> So then he stopped by uh, Margaret's job after she got off work and he took her to a, a movie. Then he dropped her off at home. And then, um, then, then he went home and he broke out his typewriter. Another journal entry. But this one is accepted as a suicide note. Oh boy. Yeah. And it's kind of lengthy, so. 
I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, I don't quite understand what compels me to type this letter. Perhaps it is to leave some vague reasons for some vague reason for the actions I have recently performed. I don't really understand myself these days. I am supposed to be an average, responsible, intelligent young man. However, lately, I can't recall when it started. I've been the victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. These thoughts constantly recur, and it, it takes a tremendous mental effort to concentrate on useful or progressive tasks. In March, in March, when my parents made a physical break, I noticed a great deal of stress. I consulted a Dr. Cochran at the University Health Center, and I asked him to recommend somebody that I could consult about some psych- psychiatric disorders I felt I had. I talked to a doctor once for about two hours and tried to convey to him my fears that I felt come overwhelming violent impulses. After one session, I never saw the doctor again, and since I have been fighting my mental turmoil alone, seemingly to no avail. After my death, I wish that an autopsy would be performed on me to see if there is any physical disorder. I've had some tremendous headaches in the past and have consumed two large bottles of Excedrin in the past three months. It was... Yeah, it was after much thought that I decided to kill my wife, Cassie, tonight. After I pick her up from work at the telephone company, I love her dearly, and as fine of a wife, and she has been as fine of a wife to me as any man could ever hope to have. I cannot rationally pinpoint any specific reason for doing this. I don't know whether it is selfishness, or I don't want her to face the embarrassment of my actions that of which my actions would surely cause her. At this time, though the prominent reason in my mind is that I am prepared to, to die, or is that I truly do not consider this world worth living in and am prepared to die, I do not want her to suffer alone in it. I intend to kill her as painless as painlessly as possible. Um... Uh... Um... Holy fuck. That escalated a lot. Holy fuck. Yeah. How did that get to there? It's just that's that's what you that's what happens when you compartmentalize and stifle everything and all that stuff and everything. Dude needed help. Yeah. Dude, I thought he loved his old lady, man. Oh, he he did, but he was rationalizing it, you know, in his own way. He, you know? he, he, yeah, he rationalized it like I'm going to spare you from the shame of what I'm about to do. I, yeah, okay, I, right. I I can see that. That is just like it's still bullshit, but you it's know, un, it's, it's very unexpected. I did not see that fucking coming. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, you know, but I mean, but you know, dude, honestly, dude, somebody in his fucking mental state, I get it. I can. I did. I, mm-hmm. I totally get it. Like, hey, I, yeah, I'm about to do some fucked up shit and I don't want you to go through. Like, what happened? What was wrong with him? Why did he do that? What happened? Blah, 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 blah. But, dude, that's right. still fucking wrong, dude. I mean, I get it in his mental state. I understand why he thought that was the only option. 
but on the flip on the flip damn, side dude. on the flip oh, side fuck me dude fuck you, you know how you were talking about um how like he should he should go and kill his dad yeah he he didn't kill his dad for the exact opposite reason he wanted his dad he wanted his dad to go through all of the he the, wanted the pain his, from yeah, it. okay see that's why I said put a pin in that because we're gonna come back yeah. to it. All right. Yeah. See, that makes sense. I can. I can. Uh, right. uh, I know. I can't understand it. But no. But when you put it like that, yeah, I I get it now. I mean, it's it's fucked uh, up. Fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and the fucked up, and the fucked up thing is that's fucked up is the strongest thing you can say about it, and that's putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so at eight forty, at eight forty-five p.m., it was time to go get Kathy. She was exhausted. She had worked a double shift in a building with no AC in Texas in August. Oh my god, dude. So yeah, I bet she I bet she was the uh, she was a little ripe. Yeah. It was well over a hundred degrees even that late in the evening. And when they got home he told her to take a shower and go to bed and you know he still had yeah. an errand to run. So she showered, ate dinner, and then went to bed, and then Charles drove to his mother's apartment. Um, she was, she was asleep when he got there, but he, he woke her up and they exchanged pleasantries and, and then out of the blue, Charles swung on her and she ducked out of the way. She was, she dodged it. (laughs) Yeah. She she was, she was used to ducking away from punches. All right then. But Charles wouldn't miss again. She went down and Charles pulled out his knife and stabbed her repeatedly. And who, this is his mother? His mother. Okay. So he he then put her in bed and he closed her eyes and he covered um he covered her he, he covered her up making it look like she was just sleeping peacefully. And then How do you um, do that, dude? How do you fucking do that? I don't know. I mean, dude, obviously this guy I mean, obviously like you said he has ish mental issues, but I'm mean, like like how do you just how do you do that? Yeah. So then so then he um he he left a note that he had pre-written next to her and it read to whom it may concern I've taken my mother's life I'm very upset about having done it however I feel that if there is a heaven she is definitely there now and if there is no life after I have relieved her of the suffering here on earth my intent the intense hatred that I feel for my father is beyond description my mother gave that man the best 25 years of her life, and she finally took enough of his beatings, humiliation, and degradation, and tribulations that I'm sure that nobody but she and he will ever know. He has chosen to treat her like a a slut that you would bed down with, accept her favors, and then throw a penance in return. I am truly sorry that this is the only way that I see to relieve her sufferings but i think it's for the best let there be no doubt in your mind that i love that woman with all of my heart if there exists a god let him understand my actions and judge me accordingly okay yeah fuck that guy 
<sighs> Damn, uh, man. That's fucking hard to do. Yeah, he's not doing that. Uh, I know. I'm sure he's not. <laughs> but you know what I mean, dude? Uh, he then hung a do not disturb sign on her, on, her, on her doorknob and went home. Well, yeah, well, you know, you do that after you kill your mother. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, you're insane, so, all right. So by the time he got back, Kathy was asleep. He simply walked in there and just, just bam, stabbed her repeatedly in her sleep. And she likely didn't even know what happened because one of the stab wounds was precisely in the middle of her heart. And hopefully that was the first one. Yeah, that's how I want to go, dude. When I die, dude, I want to die in my sleep. I don't want to know that I'm dying. I just want exactly. to go. I think that's how we all want to go. So please, he, he cut, you know, please just let me go in my sleep. That's all I ask, dude. I don't, whatever. Yeah. I don't, dude, if I get murdered or if I just have a heart attack or whatever, just let me die in my fucking sleep so I don't know what happened. Yep. Because, so, dude, um, you know what? If, dude, if some motherfucker breaks into my house and tries to kill me, dude, then I'm going to have to get into a gunfight. And that means I'm going to take bullets, and he's going to take bullets, and then I don't know. They're not maybe, one of us is bleeding out. I don't know. Well, I just, I just don't want to be one of those people who dies and then walking around in the afterlife. Yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't want one of, I don't want to be one of those people who say, "Oh, he never knew what hit him," yeah. because I don't want to be walking around the afterlife. Oh, how'd you get here? I don't know. <laughs> so he, 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 he covered Kathy's body and closed her eyes as well. And then, then he showered and changed his clothes. Then he pulled out his typewriter. And continued the note that he had started with his mother. Similar reasons provoked me to take my mother's life also. I don't think the poor woman has ever enjoyed life as she's entitled to. She was a simple young woman who married a possessive and dominating man. All my life I ran away from home. All, all, All my life until I... What? All my life until I ran away from home to join the Marine Corps. I was a witness to her being beat at least once a month. Then when she took enough, my father wanted to to keep her below her usual standard of living. I imagined, I imagine it appears that I brutally killed both, both of my loved ones. I am only trying to do a quick and thorough job. If my life insurance policy is valid, Please see that all the worthless checks that I wrote this weekend are made good. <laughs> all the worthless checks. Please pay off oh, all my God. debts. I'm 20 years old and I've never been financially independent. Donate the 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 rest anonymously to a mental health foundation. Maybe the research can prevent future tragedies of this type. Wow. Dude, you, you know, dude, that dude, the way he's writing, it doesn't sound like he was fucking had any kind of mental illness. No, and that that's what we're going to talk about in, in the end. I mean, you know, it's just. All right. Yeah, it's just I mean, it, he, he we'll, we'll get there at the end. Yeah, so, we'll um, get there. So sorry, I keep skipping ahead. <laughs> So um, 
He then signed the note and put it next to Kathy, and then he just went to sleep. And I hope he slept on the couch. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, um, dude, the next because morning... if he slept with her in a fucking bloody mess, oh, God, dude. He is fucked up. But anyway. Right. But the next morning, he called Kathy and both Kathy and Margaret in sick to their jobs. He didn't want them to be found because he was planning on being busy for an extended period of time. Well, yeah. So the the next morning he got up and he said, good boy, to their dog. And he he loaded his food and supplies into a, a trunk and, and used a two-wheel dolly to get the stuff out to his car. His inventory was sandwiches that he had made, an extension cord. Spam. <laughs> the spam, a flashlight, spare batteries, a roll of tape, an ammunition box, um, a gun cleaning kit, a transistor radio, a blank notebook and pens, a towel, a white sweatband, a three a three gallon jug of water, a three gallon jug of gasoline, ropes, clothesline, a compass, an alarm clock, a pipe wrench, spare clothes. And sunglasses. Alright. <laughs> oh, dude was. He was ready. Yeah, he was definitely ready to do something. He was either going to run or. Yeah. So he. Fucking um, stake out the top of the clock tower for like a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what he. That's That's what he was planning on doing. I know, but you know what I'm saying. So before, yeah, dude, how before, all right? Are we, are now, I mean, I know we're gonna get there, but like, like seriously, dude, how long was he up there before he actually started shooting? We'll get there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We're gonna get there, but dude, he was planning on being up there for a while. Yeah, he was planning on it. But, but before leaving, he wrote a letter to his brother, who was angry at at Margaret for leaving senior. He also said that he wanted his actions to drive his father crazy, like I like I said earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah, gotcha. So he then drove off, but he stopped at a hardware store for, you know, even some more su- su- supplies, um, the rebar, a machete, and a locking pocket knife. He also a machete. Then yeah. he went to get Danny Trejo. <laughs> I guess that was for like close I close know. quarter. I'm, I'm an idiot. I know. I'm sorry. But he, you know, he had, you know, he had, he had several guns as well. Um, but he 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 while there at the hardware store, he purchased a reconditioned M1. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good weapon. Yep. So then he went to Sears. Where he, where he bought a shotgun, which he sawed off. He also had. Oh, um, Sears, <laughs> he also had a Remington seven hundred with a four x with a with a four times scope. All right. Um, a six millimeter Remington rifle, a three fifty seven Magnum, and a Luger and an old Luger pistol, and a um, Gal- Gal- Galassi Brescia pistol. Yeah, Ga- I have Gal- no idea Galicia. what that is, but I'm curious to find out. <laughs> so, 
And you know what? Oddly enough, I have a very similar arsenal in my house. Just saying. Yeah, but you're not going to go on a shooting spree and killing. You you don't know people. that. <laughs> no, well, I'm gonna... not. No, I'm not. <laughs> but oddly enough, all the guns that you like, I have a very similar version of every one of those weapons in my fucking <laughs> house right now in my gun safe. Nice. So yeah, you know I get it. So he also got a a, a set of one piece um, maintenance overall, the cover coverall. That way, he oh, look, yeah, you, got, like you a gotta you gotta have the jumpsuit. Yeah, you gotta yeah. have the jumpsuit. So he then drove onto campus and got a parking pass, and then he headed to the clock tower. At eleven thirty a.m., he oh, boy. he he rolled his things on you know on. Onto the dolly. He, he rolled his things on the dolly into the building, and he got to the elevator. And at first, the elevator wasn't working, and he con- and he actually considering ab- aborting the mission. Oh, boy. Oh, see, if only. But there was a receptionist there, a lady named Vera Palmer. She was on duty, and she smiled, and she threw a switch that activated the elevator. He said, thank you. You don't know how happy this makes me. Oh, God. So oh he bo- no 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 okay <laughs> oh fuck me dude. oh god damn it dude. really are you that guy who watches like horror movies don't go in there don't yeah, go in much. <laughs> yeah I'm I'm the guy that yells at the screen don't go there <laughs> you know what's gonna happen if you fucking go there don't go there just hide behind the chainsaws <laughs> yeah. Why don't we go into that perfectly good running car? No, we can't go there. Let's go hide behind the chainsaws. <laughs> because, you know, yeah, that that's a horror movie mentality. Yeah, I know. Yep. Yes, I am that guy. <laughs> so, because um, I've seen so many bad horror movies that I just have to do it. Because oh, yeah. it, makes watching them, it makes watching these bad horror movies so much more fun for oh, me yeah. anyway. So he boarded the elevator and he went to the 27th floor and there were three flights of stairs to the observation deck that he had to pull his things up on it. It was a lot of work for someone, even someone of his physical stature. I mean, carrying all that shit up three flights of stairs and a winding staircase at that. Yeah. Dude, I bet that didn't bother him one fucking bit, dude. No, but... I would. You know I'd why? Probably, you know why, dude? He he was on a mission, dude. He was fucking dedicated. He's like, well, dude, he was, whatever. If I if I have to stop halfway up, I'll stop. I'll take a breather, and I'll get there, dude. Because you know what? Yeah. Once I get there, I'm gonna wait. When he got to the observation deck, um, there there was a receptionist, Ed, Edna Townsley, 51 years old, there, and she actually believed that Charles was a maintenance man, but. Charles pulled a rifle out of his out of his case and he hit her with the butt of it. It broke her oh. eye socket, and she fell. And Charles beat her with the rifle. Yeah, Charles beat her with the rifle, and yeah. she she wasn't dead, but he just left her there. Can't have uh, any witnesses. But the the elevator was still on, and a family got off the got off and came up the stairs. A couple. Cheryl Botts and Don Walden, Wald, God, now I'm getting tongue-tied. Cheryl Walden, and they didn't even notice Charles. They 
they just asked him, like, how how you doing? They're completely oblivious to the fact that he was holding a rifle. <laughs> so what? <laughs> they figured he was just there to shoot pigeons. And oh, Charles God. Charles oh, didn't God. kill them. Charles didn't kill them. They 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 left and it, he waited until they left, left and he left and but um they obviously had to you know, they're obviously going to find the receptionist. Um, Charles began barricading the entrance to the observation deck, but he heard the elevator ding again, and then he heard um, the you know footsteps on the the tower or on the stairs. Uh, there was a family there, tourists, and they were they were there. They were um, Mark Jerome Gabor was there with his wife and in his family his wife mary his sons mark and mike and they were visiting his daughter marguerite and her husband william lampert uh, they they lived in austin and they they were just there being tourists and about 11 of 11:55 or 11:45 a.m. the the group approached the top of the tower they climbed the stairs to the 27th floor to the reception area and michael noticed that the desk had been pulled across a doorway to the top of the stairs thinking that the janitorial staff was still cleaning the observation deck mike and mark the kids the 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 younger the young men decided to squeeze past the desk and and ask if they could you know access the observation deck that was when um, Charles saw them. He came running toward them, firing a blast from his sawed-off shotgun. Mike was hit in the shoulder. And he passed out for 45 minutes while Mark was struck in the head. Whitman then fired several blasts down the stairs at the rest of the family, hitting Marguerite in the chest and injuring Mary. Both Mark and Marguerite died instantly. M- M- Martin Jerome and William had lagged behind from the group and escaped being hit. They saw immediately that Mark and Marguerite were dead. And William picked up his wife's purse while MJ took his wife's white shoes and ran for help. I don't know why he took the shoes, but whatever. Yeah, you right. Whatever. You, you, don't, right. you don't know what how you're going to react in a situation like that. Well, yeah, dude, whatever. You do what you do, you know. Uh, yep. Okay. Mike regained conscious, consciousness, but he was too injured to move. And um, he and his mother... Mary, they played dead until they were discovered by the police and evacuated. The the first actual victim that was shot from the on the ground that was shot from the the tower. Um, Claire Wilson. She, you know, she she was preg- pregnant lady, and um, she was the the first woman, you know, the first victim shot from the the top of the tower, and. Um, he he shot her you know he shot her in the stomach she she survived but um the her unborn son did not the next was um thomas ekman and um he was 18 years old and he he had been just walking across the plaza in front of the the tower and Whit- Whitman had just shot Claire in the abdomen and he Ekman approached Claire to try and help her and then seconds later w- Whitman shot him in the, ch- the chest killing him instantly 
Oh, the center mass shot. All right. Yeah. Robert Boyer was the third person shot by Charles Whitman. Um, he was a 33-year-old Pennsylvania native, and he had been in town for less than 24 hours when he was killed. He was making his way back to, to England, where he had been hired to for a job to teach applied mathematics at, at the University of Liverpool. He was heading to the main building under under the tower that morning, and... A little after 11.30, Whitman's single shot struck him in the lower side of the back, hitting his kidney area. The next the next victim was um, Karen Griffiths. She was 17 years old. Um, Whitman had wounded her in the shoulder and chest. The bullet pierced her right lung, which led to her death seven days later. You know, at, this right. point, pol- at this point, police were on the scene. And um, at that point, they they thought it was multiple shooters because Charles had guns at every angle. Oh yeah. The next victim was um, was Thomas Ray Carr. He was twenty four years old, and he was walking along the sidewalk um, in in front of a dress shop, and he was headed heading towards Bat Hall, where he was living at the time. And he was just a few feet north of where Karen Griffin was shot, right, and it happened right in front of his eyes. And like a split second later, Whitman shot Carr. Right, and he was he was he was just running around taking you know just taking shots and everything, but um, but the the bullet pierced the left side of his spine, which which laid him flat out onto the sidewalk, and he laid there for about an hour before. Um, he was, he was taken to Breckenridge Hospital, where he died at one ten p.m. All right, gotta find the next one. Okay, David Gumby. Um, he survived the mass shooting, but his death from kidney disease um, in two thousand one was ruled as a homicide. But um. But it, Gandhi had spent most of the morning at the library. He had, he had left the library a little before 11.50, but turned back because he had forgotten to pick up a book. At 11.55, he was walking underneath, you know, beneath the tower back to the library where, you know, Whitman got him. The bullet shot through Gumby's upper left arm, entered his abdominal cavity. Cavity? Cavity? Cavity. Cavity. <laughs> um, badly severe, um, severing his small intestine, and he laid injured on the extremely hot sidewalk. Remember, it's like 110 degrees out there, and he's so he he was lying there playing dead at, at the time, and you know, on on the hot concrete and everything, and um, you know, it, de- during surgery to reconnect his small intestine, doctors realized that. He only had one functioning kin- kidney, and now that sole kidney had been damaged. And the the doctor saved his life, but he had kidney kidney disease and significant pain after that for the rest of his life, until he, you know, until he died from kidney failure. Right, dude, I need to see a diagram of this shot, dude, because this this, <laughs> this sounds like fucking CIA magic bullet theory right here. Nah, nah. Okay, right, I do. Like, where was he? How did how does a bullet go through his left arm? I mean, okay, granted, I know the guy's up high. 
How's it going? Yeah, so it's, left arm, it's coming down. Into his small intestines, and then, like, dude, your kidneys are in your back, dude. Your kidneys aren't anywhere near your front of you, dude. So okay, the so it went so, through his small so intestines. It winged, it winged, it, it, like, went through the, like, the fat behind his arm, and then, um, and then, and it's, it's going down at an angle, so, so yeah, it, okay, it didn't hit a bone when it went through the fat in his arm, it went in, it pierced his, um, his abdominal cavity, and then, you know, the bullets, when they enter you, sometimes, you know, they, they change trajectory and everything, so it, it nicked a kidney. Oh my god, dude, you were one of those fucking people that believe in the magic bullet theory. Fuck you. I'm saying, bro, dude. Whatever, I know you're just reading the facts, but dude, the facts don't make sense to me. Okay, well, um, we should Conspiracy theories with Todd coming soon. <laughs> okay, shit. We we anyway. still got a ways to go. We still got a ways to go. Yeah, I know, that's fucking unfortunate, but anyway, move on. So, um, the, the next was Thomas Ashton. He was 22. And he was, at 11.50, he was leaving his Persian language class to meet up with uh, Peace Corps trainees that, you know, that Of course, they were... Peace Corps in the fucking <laughs> yeah. 60s. Well, it's Austin, too. So Fuck my life, dude. <laughs> but, you know, he, he started across the terrace above the, um, above the tower, and he started to see bodies fall. And before he had a chance to duck for cover... Whitman pierced his chest and he was pronounced dead at 135 at Brackenridge Hospital. So, but before the before the shooting began, um, Claudia Rutt was casually chatting with friends on the drag, and she and her boyfriend Paul Sontag they were on their way to the university co-op to look at some records. Um, Paul Sontag was 18 years old. When Whitman shot him, uh, they had just run into a friend when um, when shots began to ring out, and they took shelter behind a construction barrier. But for for two of them, it was already too late. Paul was shot, and he died instantly. Um, All right. When when Claudia tried to reach for him, Car- Carla, her friend Carla, um, held held her back. And then the two the two women were shot at once. Carla was shot in the hand and Claudia in the chest. Carla survived, but Claudia's internal bleeding was too severe, and she died on the operating table at the hospital, Brackenridge Hospital. Brackenridge Hospital had a lot of business that day. Yeah, apparently. Somebody was busy. <laughs> yeah, Claudia was 18. Henry Welchuk. Um, he had been doing research at the UT library for his 7 p.m. class, and around noon he left the library to get something to eat, and he headed out, and he stopped at a magazine store, and he walked out uh, onto the sidewalk unaware that he was facing straight at the tower and in plain sight of Whitman, and as he started to walk, yeah, as as he started to walk a bit south, oh man, uh, um, the Whitman shot him in the chest, and he collapsed instantly on onto the sidewalk, dead. And he was he was a twenty eight year old Navy vet. Yeah, 
that, that, I mean, well, see, that's the thing, though, dude. I mean, obviously, he's up there on this tower shooting people. Like, dude, nobody hears the gunshots, and nobody's, like, fucking just, like, running. I mean, dude, that tower is not that high. And he is not shooting people that far away. Why are you still walking around? Like, what What do you think that was? Oh, that was just a firecracker. Oh, look. Yeah, I know. That person just fell down dead in front of me. That that must have been that firecracker I heard. Boom, now I'm yeah. dead. Fuck me. You know, like, seriously, dude, really? What the fuck? Why the fuck aren't these people running for their fucking lives? I'm sure they are, but you, you know how some... I mean, it was a different time back then. We say that a lot, and... Yeah, I, think I know, like, and yeah, yeah, well, like, yeah. I mean, well, like I get the, it, like the, dude. I know like the, the outcome people, of this story. And, well, you know, like the people and, that, like the people that, um, like the people that were there, um, you know, and the people that he let go, and they they saw him with a gun in his hands, like, oh, I, I yeah. just figured he was up there shooting pigeons with a freaking <laughs> rifle. Shooting pigeons, yeah, right. If anything, well, you're, you, know, you got a twenty. People, you know what, dude? The people that survive can convince themselves of anything. Well, I mean, well, why, why did you call the cops? You dude, you saw this guy with his rifle. Do you, you see what was happening? Hey, uh, you know what? If, I'm lucky to be alive. So you know what, dude? I thought he was just shooting there, pigeons, and apparently he shooting, was shooting pigeons. <laughs> yeah, stupid. Okay, not yeah. stupid pigeons. You know what I mean? But, but is, but the thing anyway, is, not the point. The thing is, is like, um, yeah, they. If you're up there. If you're if you're up there to shoot um, like pigeons and everything, which does happen, you're up there with like a, a with like a twenty two with snake shot in it or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I know, dude. But you know, dude, honestly, dude, if, if I was those people, and he was like, "Get out of here," I'd be like, "I didn't see shit." Not true. But um, the next victim was uh, you know, police you know, officer. Actually, though, at the end of it, I would have run down the stairs and found the first. Dude, there's a guy up there. He's about ready to start shooting people. You might want to get up there. Yeah, right. But yeah. um, the next, the next officer, the next, the next victim was officer, police officer Billy Speed. Now this guy was, he was only 23 years old. And he had been in the 82nd Airborne Division, um, and he he had been also been deployed during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, but he oh. he got out. He got out. You know, he he achieved a lot in the army, and he yeah. But he he got out after a, a four year um, term, and you know he he started a, a family and everything, but. On the day that um, on the day that this went down, you know he, you know he hadn't been a cop for very long, and he was already planning on resigning his post as a police officer, you know, to, so that he he could go back to school. Okay, <laughs> he, he's ready to like, quit. He just like, dude, I want nothing to do with this. I'm out. Yeah, and and what and what had happened was um, the the police officer that he was with. They both, um, you know, when when the shots started running out and everything, ringing out and everything, they they couldn't, you know, they realized they, you know, with their little 
you know, revolvers or whatever that they had, they, they couldn't get a, a lead on this guy who was up, up top. So they, so they hid, they hid in between two statues. And, um, and this is where I said that, um, uh, that he threaded the needle. He shot oh. speed in between the two statues and killed him. All right. And the, the two statues were only like six inches apart. All right. Well, you know, dude, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. <laughs> now that now uh, now I am not trying to take away from I am trying to bust on him for being the fucking I know piece you of are shit murderer that he is. I know you but, are. But I mean dude, I that that's an incredible shot, dude. But you know what? Yeah. I mean, like I said, dude, even a blind squirrel fight. I mean dude, he's been shooting people basically center mass. From however high this fucking clock tower is. He has not been a true fucking sniper fucking headshot, one shot, one kill. He has not been right. that. He is shooting people center mass because that's all he... Because he can't fucking aim at a smaller target like a head. So, and, and these people are walking and moving. And dude, and it's hard to hit a moving target. Don't get me wrong. So aiming center mass is good, but dude, yeah, dude, like you, dude, you shoot a, you shoot somebody through a six inch fucking, fucking thumbnail hole, dude. And if anybody plays video games, you'll know what I mean by that. But yeah, dude, you shoot right. somebody through a six inch thumbnail hole, dude, like that, like these two statues. That's impressive, dude. And I don't give a fuck, dude, what anybody says. That's fucking impressive. Yep. It still doesn't lessen the fact that he's a piece of shit, but whatever. Uh, Anywho. The the last victim that was killed was Roy Del Schmidt. Uh, He was 29, and he had drove onto campus for a service call. And he and his partner, they, they were there. And they, um, they were about 500 yards away from the tower and crouching behind the car. Um, Smith told another onlooker that they were, you know, it's like, okay, we're, we're 500 yards away. Um, we're, we're safe. Not. No, not. Um, dude, 500 like, yards. That's, that's a fucking, from an elevated position, that's a hell of a shot. Yeah, and, but it was just ironic how that happened. He was just like, um, just like, oh, we're 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 safe. We're out of range. Boom. So those were the the, so those were the the people that he killed. But he wounded a lot more. The and the the wounded that survived. A lot of them were playing dead. It was 110 degrees, and they were on concrete in the <laughs> middle of the day. Playing dead. I love it. Yeah, I would too. Like, hey, yeah, you got me. Ugh. Yep. So, the the wounded were Mary Frances Gabor. She was forty one, and she she was one of the people shot in the tower. She was par- she was paralyzed from the neck down and declared legally blind. Oh, Michael Jesus. Gab- Michael Gabor. Um, he was he was shot. He was also shot, you know, part of that family and everything. And he he was um, in the U.S. Air Force Academy, and because of his injuries, he wasn't able to continue. Um, Claire Wilson, she was the one that that um, Whitman shot in the stomach and 
killed her baby. She survived. Um, but De- Deborah Huffman, he was 31, a PhD student, shot in the arm and chest. He felt, you know, he fell to the ground, fake, you know, played dead. Good for him. Uh, yeah. Alec Hernandez, a high school student, 17 years old. He was shot in the leg while delivering newspapers on his bike close to the West Mall ent- entrance. But um, Nancy Harvey, 20, 20, 21, she was also pregnant. Um, and she was she was shot while leaving the tower for lunch. Um, Ellen Evangis, in a 26, she was shot in the leg. Um, on a on a ricochet. Oh, a ricochet! All right. Yeah, Carla Sue Wheeler. She was eighteen. And she was shot through the the hand, um, and she was. No, she she was trying to prevent um her her friend Claudia Rutt from um venturing into the line of fire to assist Paul Sontag. Okay. Arma Garcia. Arma Garcia, 21. Um, Oscar Rovella, 21. Um, Robert Hurd, 36. He was a reporter. He was shot in the arm. Um, John Scott Allen, 18. Janet Paulos, 20. Abdul Kassab, 26. Lana Phillips, 21. Um, Billy Snowden, 35, and he was a basketball coach and he actually believed, you know, he thought that he was out of range, like the other guy that I talked about. Oh yeah. But he was, no, you're um, never out of range of a sniper, dude. No. And he, he, he was shot it also from around 500 yards. He was, he of the people that survived, he was the farthest away. Five hundred yards. You know what that is? That's five football fields. Yep. <laughs> you you yeah. you bet you've been to a live football game. You know how long a football field is, right? Yep. Five, five of those. Of five of them, dude. And that guy hit him from five football fields. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a hell of a shot. So Avellino Esperanza. 26, um, David Matson. Um, he was shot in the, the, the wrist and part of his wrist had been destroyed by the impact. Roland Ehike, Ehik, 21, Homer J. Kelly, 64, Brenda Gall Littlefield, 18, a- Adrian Littlefield, 19, Sandra Wilson, 21, Morris Hoffman, 30, Dolores Ortega, 30. Um, Della Martinez, don't have the name, or don't have the age here. Um, she was a visitor. Marina Martinez. Robert Freed, 19. Um, F.L. Foster, no age. Miguel Solis, 25. And C.A. Stewart. Um, he... He wasn't shot, but he was injured in the commotion, and that's that's it. I mean, God, I, I don't even know how many people between the people he killed and wounded are, but it's a lot. Well, damn, dude, he had a lot of fucking ammo. 
Yeah, he did. Now, so, okay, we we went through the victims, the ones that he killed and the ones that survived. But, um, but remember how he was so convinced that, um, that, you know, one man could hold off an army? Yeah. This is Texas we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Charles had thought of everything for his assault, but he didn't plan for the people coming to get his ass. Good guys with guns. Surprise, motherfucker. So, once the word went out, the community showed up with their guns and opened fire on the tower. But they couldn't get close enough to actually pose a threat to Charles, considering he was a Marine sniper. But <laughs> he that was didn't... completely in control. Yeah, <laughs> well, but they thought he was. But police, police were mobilized, and the only sniper they had was a guy named um, Marion Lee. They put him in a plane to try to try to take Charles out from the air. Oh and God, no, dude, no. Well, that's the only way they were going to get to him, you know, like close to him, or so they thought. But um, but when the plane started circling, Charles opened fire on the plane and hit the fuselage several times. Uh, Marion did. Of course Marian, he did. He knocked a fucking plane out there. Dude. Of course he did. Yeah, so Marion didn't, didn't even get to take a shot because the pilot had to abort. Charles was going to hit the fuel tanks. And as as the as the plane was retreating, Marion just took a pot shot out. Of, you know, they were out of range. He took some pot shots, but he missed. Um, it was clear that the only way Charles was going to be stopped would be if somebody made it into the tower and took him out. So, right. I beg to differ, but okay. Enter Officer Houston McCoy. He showed up. Oh, this is crazy. Houston he McCoy, sh- dude. dude. Isn't that the, that, the, that the ultimate is not Texas the most name? Made up fucking name I've ever heard. No, it wasn't made up. That was his name. I, I mean, know, done, but you know what I'm saying, though, dude. Like really, like Houston McCoy. That's dude, a that's Texas like name. Indiana Jones. That's a Texas name, is what that is. Yeah. Anyway, not a point. All right, Houston McCoy shows up, and yeah, he, he had a rifle that a student had given him, because and, and probably a bullwhip too, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this isn't Bumazel showing up to to save the day. No, dude, no, no, seriously though, Houston McCoy, Indiana Jones, same. Oh, I know, name. I know, but but still. Alan Crum, he was a student who worked um, who worked in the same bookstore near where Alec Hernandez was shot, but he was also on the scene, and he was a retired Air Force tail gunner, but he had actually never fired a shot in combat. Oh, um, wow. Off, so he, so of, he climbed his ass down in that little tiny fucking ball turret and hold on, never I'm, fired I'm assemb- a shot. I'm assembling, yeah. I, well, he had never gone to war like that. I mean, this is the '60s. I mean, that that shit happened, and um, that shit happened in World War II, and hasn't really happened since. Oh but, no, um, no, no, dude, no, dude. Them, them fucking planes were flying in Vietnam, dude. He been in one. Anyway, well, Vietnam, not the point. Not the it point. It hasn't started yet. 
Vietnam hasn't started yet. Yeah, so, but um, Korea did. But Korea was if he was a, if he was a ball gunner, he been he been in one, and, and that is not a place you want to be. No. So, op- uh, police officer Ray Martinez also showed up, and he was actually called in on his day off. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Now we brought clerks into this shit. <laughs> so by the time that the this cast had all arrived. The slaughter had actually stopped. Charles was still shooting, but the the townspeople peppering the tower made him take a long, hard look at what he was doing. Yeah, he was actually he he, he was pinned down at this point. And I'd like yeah. to think that I'd like to think that he overestimated the safety of the tower. Yeah, I believe so, he did. Yeah, well, so, no, I, actually, he didn't overestimate the safety of the tower. He underestimated the fucking power of the people. The power of the tech. Yeah, the power of the people. Yeah. So, um, he underestimated so, the fact that the people were going to start. Dude, it's Texas, dude. It's Texas. Texas is open <laughs> carry. They will shoot yeah. back, motherfucker. <laughs> Good guys with guns. Mm-hmm. So Houston, McCoy, Houston McCoy was plotting a plan. Yeah, he he knew of a way in where he wouldn't be noticed by Charles. Take a guess. Oh, up the back door. No, but you're not far off. Oh, he he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna fucking just assault him by the back door. Uh, I know. I'm an asshole. You know what I mean, though. <laughs> no, underground. There were underground. There were, uh, there was, dude, there's underground in Texas, dude. I thought the only thing underground in Texas was like oil. <laughs> nope, there are catacombs. How do you? How are there catacombs in Texas? There's catacombs. The only thing, the only thing underground in Texas is like oil and fucking like. The remains of Davy Crockett and shit like that. There's, um... Even though Davy Crockett went to Congress for, like, like years after the Alamo, but whatever, that's not the point. So, Houston and fellow officer Johnny Day and public public safety officer Dub Cowan, they made their, their way through the underground maze by torchlight. They They came to an access port um at the the top at next to the tower and cautiously climbed out charles was on the other side of the building so he didn't he didn't see him coming out but but they had masked their approach so um they made their way into the lobby there was still gunfire coming from um from the tower but they were safe inside until Ray Martinez ran ran in through the the front door, and it's yeah, you know, it's just I'm gonna get you, motherfucker! So he comes in and <laughs> you know, and and Houston Martinez and and the other two people, uh, they they're just like sitting there, <laughs> freeze, motherfucker! <laughs> so, um, but they, yeah, they they all had their rifles pointed at him, and. 
you know, he had he had zigzagged in and you know while while Charles was on the other side of the tower. But um Ray was essentially deputized on the spot. And uh, then uh and then well he already was a cop, but I bet he was just like, Okay, well you're 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 on. Um then You're an assassin now, so let's go. <laughs> then Alan Crumb You're a cop no matter what then, you do, it's okay. Then the civilians, Alice, um, Alan and Crumb burst in the same way that Martinez did. And they were received the exact same way, but whatever. Welcome to the posse, guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Let's do it. So they, they all boarded the elevator and went up. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? But um, when when they got to the top, they went to the um the staircases, and along the way, they found Charlie's first victims. Um, and yeah, M- MJ Gabor was alive, and he was trying to call for an ambulance, but the emergency lines were all jammed. They sent him and Jerry Ray back downstairs. They pressed on, and they found they found more victims. They found blood, pieces of flesh. There was also a couple of wounded people. So Dub Cowan stayed behind to help them. Right. Then, then they came to the barricade where Mike Gabor was still there, wounded. And Michael, you know, Mike just basically told him, "He's out there." Um, oh God, Houston. Helped him down, down the stairs and to the elevator. So Ray, Allen, and Houston continued, and they they came to the final corner and they stopped. And Charles was directly on the other side shooting. They needed a distraction, and they got one. Not the one they wanted, but they got one. All right. Allen dropped his gun, and Charles heard it, and he fired a shot like toward their vicinity. Oh, but it worked out because um, Austin and Ray charged um, charged Charles while he was reloading, and okay. Ray opened fire, firing all six shots from his his revolver at Charles, but only one of the shots connected. the oh. the one that The one that hit Charles was in the ribs. Oh. It's just a flesh wound. But you've got no legs. <laughs> yeah, but the, it's, it's just a flesh wound. Off. So Charles wasn't phased. Um, he took aim at Ray, uh, who who then pulled out his own shotgun and he blasted Charles. It knocked Charles down, but but he but even on the on the floor with a shotgun blast and a and a bullet in his ribs, he was still trying to line up a shot to shoot Ray. Houston grabbed the shotgun from Ray and blasted Charles point-blank range in the face. And Charles was dead. D-E-D, dead. Dead. Uh, you know, dude, you, you can't, you know, dude, you might be able to take a shotgun blast to your fucking body, but you can't take one to your fucking face. Nope. That, that, that just stops you dead in your checks. But, you know, people, the people outside were still shooting at the tower, 
it took a few minutes for the word to get out oh, to the shooter. Yeah. Shoot well, you know, dude, it's that. fucking Texas. Of course they are. <laughs> yeah. So. They're like, you know, and all the cops are like, hey, 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 we got him. He's dead. Stop shooting. Fuck you. Well, <laughs> well actually, actually, Fuck Alan. You, dude, I still got ammo left. I'm shooting. <laughs> actually, Alan found, a, um, found some, like, white fabric and everything, and he basically went out and waved, waved a white flag. Well, he made a white flag. Oh, come on, yeah. dude, really? Well, it's just like, hey, it's over. I mean, that was the only thing he could do. Dude, I mean, like, if he, really? If he... Like, really? Like, they made a white flag? Come on, man. Well, if you're, if you're, you're a, you're a football field up in the air. It's, it's 300 feet. Um, no, but you know what, dude? You still have radios. They didn't have radios. But they didn't have them. But how are you gonna how how are you gonna radio how are you gonna radio Todd 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 how how in the hell are you going to radio um, civilians who are shooting? They don't have radio. Radio on civilians. You radio the cops on the ground to go up to the civilians and tell them to stop fucking shooting. Whatever. So the dude, the whole that's what, or, that's what cops do, dude. It's common sense, bro. Fuck, man. But really? the, the the whole ordeal lasted lasted around two hours. And um, and Charles he was a lot of fucking people, dude. I'm fucking impressed. Yeah, and he wounded a hell of a lot more too. But Char- Charles was given a, a Marine's burial in a military ceremony with a flag draped coffin. What? Yeah. What, what, wait, why? Dude, he was dishonorably discharged, right? Then he was you dishonorably discharged. He was dishonorably discharged, but they still gave it. And it, it may have, it, it may have happened because like immediately it's like a, the media just went into like, um, blame mode like they do these days. Yeah, the media and politicians, they were quick to blame this on mental illness. And he was, and, and after the autopsy, he was found to have a tumor in his brain. Oh, he did have a tumor. Yeah, he he did right, have a well, tumor. Right, whatever, dude. I mean, but the, but uh, there were doctors. But there were doctors that later, you know, later said that you know, like mental doctors and everything that looked at the results and everything and basically said that's like, okay, that's not going to make you think that you know, climbing. You know, it, it was all premeditated. Yeah. No. It's, it's something that. Uh, you know, but totally the tumor, the tumor, the, the, tumor the tumor in the middle, you know, the, the, if, if, I mean, if he had just gone up there with like a, with like a pistol or even a rifle or whatever, and just started popping off shots just off of a whim, then you could claim it, uh, mental, you know, in, in criminally innocent by insanity. Um, but no, dude, but he, he was a trained sniper, dude, and mental dude, he he was doing what he knew how to do, dude. Right. Mental so illness he, aside, doesn't matter, dude. I mean dude. No. This guy knew what he was doing. It was like all right, this is what I have to do. I mean, dude, he killed his mother and his fucking wife that he apparently yeah. liked. You know yep. what I mean? So they didn't have to fucking be a part of the shame that, of the thing that he was about to do. So he right. knew what he was doing. 
mental Absolutely. illness or not, dude. But he should have not got a fucking Marine funeral. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's uh, that's fucking ridiculous. They should they should have just dug a hole and chunked him in it. And what's worse yeah. is he's buried. Pauper's he's grave, buried. Dude. He should have been buried in a pauper's grave with no fucking headstone. He's buried next to his mother in Florida. Yeah. Well, that's you know. that's even that's that's even more infuriating. Yeah, his mother that he killed to right. spare her from the pain that he was about to cause. Right. And oh, God, dude. I just dude, I, 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 dude, I'm done, dude. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I just <laughs> I can't take any more of this. I really can't. But bro. I'm like yeah, oh, he, fuck me, dude. Okay, we're we're done. Yeah, I mean, he he was trying to punish everyone for his failures. Yeah, he and, was. It. And dude, and he was doing it because of his father and dude, and he did all this shit to make his father live in shame, which is just what he did because the worse. because the media the media you know for for several years would not leave his father alone well good sorry but you know dude there there's other ways to go about fucking embarrassing your father right not not slaughtering fucking innocent people exactly so oh, fuck me dude so, yeah dude i you know dude i knew this one was gonna be like rough even though, even though I watched that 1975 TV movie with Kurt Russell, and it was like, dude, that's Kurt Russell. And I watched it like I watched it like way later on, like in the middle 80s. When I, dude, Snake Plissken, all right, he's killing people. All right, let's yeah, let's be done with it. Um, okay, thanks, thanks a hell of a lot to listening for us. I mean, and if, and if you don't mind, subscribe on whatever platform. Give us a five star rating, uh, and if you can give us a comment, do it too. I mean, it's just we we have one comment on Apple. That's it, and that's from our buddy Mark at Mental Illness Theater. Mark from Mental Illness Theater, love <laughs> love that name, Mental <laughs> Illness Theater. Love Mark. Love Man, that I podcast. love that episode we did with Mark, even though it took like fucking forever. <laughs> yeah, a cursed episode. But I love Mark, uh, dude. Love Mark. Love Mental Theater and it, Mark and his wife. What's her name? Gina, I think. Gina. Yeah. Yes. Love Mark and Gina from Mental Theater. If you haven't gone, you guys need to go check them out. They're fucking not like <laughs> us, but like us. Not like us, but like us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so check them it, out, please, by all means. Like, it's well. Re- it's well. It's well researched. True crime with yes. with a little bit of levity, and and, and dick jokes, <laughs> and dick jokes apparently <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anywho, so anyway, uh, follow us on social, our Instagram and Twitter, our CKC underscore beer. We also have a Facebook page. Um, we're mostly active on Twitter, but we're gonna be up and up up on yeah. Instagram as well. Um, and we're our website. Be doing some shit on YouTube soon too. So yeah, our our website. Page. You know, it it has links Just to all of our episodes it. on all platforms. It also has um, you know, links to direct links to the social media as well as like my my original music. So um, you know, check all that out and everything. And once again, thank you very 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 much for listening. Yes, we enjoy the. We we enjoy we enjoy doing this and we enjoy the fact that you guys love it and we get more new listeners every week oh, and yeah. we want to keep getting more more more. If you like us, tell a friend. If you hate us, tell an enemy. 
So <laughs> tell two friends, so they tell two friends, and they tell two right. friends, and you know, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> anyway. anyway, until next week. Later. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.